Well, it's 2.44, so I'll start one minute early. Is that okay? Is that all right? All right. Well, I'm really glad you guys are with me uh, today. My name is Jordan Beal, and this is a class uh, called Caring for Vulnerable Kids. Another subtitle to that would be Building a Foster Care Ministry. And I have a unique privilege today because my wife is with me. Usually, my wife, so my wife's a full-time uh, nurse, and so she doesn't usually get to do these fun little trips about ministry stuff, but she's with me. So let's give her a hand today. She's, today is her anniversary. We've been married for 17, 17 years she's put up with me. Can you believe that? So let's give her another hand, right? Like, uh, just like, um, so I just want to introduce myself. I always love when a speaker says, look, here, you know, here, here's who I am for a minute. These are our kids. We have four beautiful girls, my princesses. And I'll tell you more about Lucas uh, in just a minute, but Lucas is our little foster son. This is him attacking our 12-year-old. Uh, we call her Yay Yay, and he, he, she gets off the bus, and he yells for Yay Yay. And uh, it's a whole family ministry. We're talking about fostering today, how to build this. So we're going to tell you a bit about our story, but most of today's um, topic, uh, or class rather, is going to be about how to build something sustainable at your church that would multiply uh, foster efforts. And so this is our little guy again. His name is Lucas. He is just so much fun. And this is when he gets a cookie and he runs. I did not give him that cookie. He gets ice cream and he runs underneath the dining room table. Uh, he gets a cookie, anything he can get, and he runs under the dining room table. And I have to drag him out. And, and we, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a journey. What's it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's very intense. Uh, this is where he goes to steal anything. Um, yeah. So uh, one of the core verses that the Lord put in my heart, uh, I've been in ministry uh, 17 years, and um, two, well, three years ago, um, about a year into becoming the, into being the lead pastor, God started speaking to me about this whole foster care ministry and how if we're if we're going to really be effective. And one of the lines I kept giving to our church that was really meaningful to me was that we wouldn't have a church of you know, believers who agree that we wouldn't all just come in and nod our heads, but that we would have disciples who obey, right? Because believers agree, but a disciple says, "Okay, I'm going to obey." The words of Jesus. I'm going to actually pattern my life after the life of Jesus and make an impact and and be who God wants me to be. And I wanted a church like that. And so uh, before we get to that story a little bit more, I'm going to weave the story in and out uh, of the teaching. But Psalm 68:5 says this: "The Lord puts the orphan in families, and the Lord cares." You know, you read the Gospels, you see Jesus cares about the vulnerable, right? He makes a, a very intentional effort to, to meet the woman in Samaria, right, at the well. He makes a very intentional effort um, to engage and to be eye level with the woman caught in adultery and the broken of society. He meets them where they are and loves them. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that type of Christian. And as a ministry leader, I want our church to be um, that type. And so um, James 1, verse 17, we'll read a couple scriptures for you, talks about what it means to uh, have our faith be formed into action. Okay, we are, if you're ministry leaders in here, uh, I, I imagine you are, you know, you're very familiar with the book of James, right? But here's just a quick excerpt. Every good and perfect gift comes uh, from above, coming down from the, what? 
Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So humbly accept the word of God planted in your hearts. This is skipping down to verse 21. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to the word. Actually do what it says. Don't just listen to the word. Actually do what it says. Now, how many of you, let's just pause for a minute. How many of you are in some sort of ministry leadership at your church? Raise your, raise your hand. Yeah, all of you, right? So we all have this desire to make disciples in the sense that we want people to actually become like Jesus, right? All right, so we'll flesh that out more in a minute. But look, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So that's, that's hard hitting as it is. But here's this one. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So I don't know about you, but I, I want my church, and when we started this, I, it was on the heels of a desire to be genuinely caring for the orphan and the widow in our society. I, I, it, it's powerful and it's awesome to say, who would like to join the AV team? Who would like to open the door on hospitality team? That's great. Those are great things. But what the Lord was challenging me with was, but how are you teaching them to be sacrificial outside of your ministry, outside of a Sunday morning? And again, it's not that it's not sacrificial to come teach um, the toddlers. It is. Or to teach the class or to be an usher or do, you know, do something on a Sunday. That is sacrificial. But what does it look like to actually raise up a people that is incredibly sacrificial that actually really changes society? I mean, we've all heard um, this question, especially if maybe you're a pastor or a pastor's spouse in the room. You've heard this question. It's a great question. I kind of let, let the Holy Spirit ask me this question probably once a year. Is if I were to pick up my, if we were to pick up our church and leave, would the town know? Would my city know? And for a lot of churches, maybe just the Christians would know. Just the church would know. I think if Jesus leaves Capernaum, the woman at the well knows all her friends. They, the hurting people know. And so I, I, God was putting this desire in me. Does society, are you actually impacting society? Right? So we, I, I just went to Google. It's like theology 101. It's like the Bible and Google, right? So I went to Google and I'm like, societal issues facing Trumbull County or issues facing Trumbull County. One of the top of those was human trafficking. We're number four in the nation. Number four. And what kept coming up was foster kids. I'd read all these things and it would say foster kids. Eight out of ten human trafficking victims are foster kids. 8.5, if you could say that, out of, out of 10 uh, in, a, in a homeless shelter are foster kids. So the homeless, the human trafficking, the herding turned to drugs, and I kept seeing foster kids. So we, we created what we call Transform Trumbull, and I'm going to email you guys these websites at the end of the session. But on transformtrumbull.com, this is where we are celebrating, we're casting the vision, and we're celebrating the progress of the societal change where the church, the body of Christ, is, is hopefully impacting uh, society. So we, um, we got this basically just prophetic word, what we felt like was an assignment from two different people about planting churches. All right, so it's these 10 churches 
um, we kept hearing this word and I'm like, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do that. And then I kept coming back to this, Lord, why? You know, like, okay, we want to see lost people. How many, like, not a lot. We want to see lost people saved. Of course, but I, I would feel like the Holy Spirit would say, and? And what's the goal of, of a believer? Well, it's, it's displaying the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The kindness of God, that we would change people's lives. So I'm going to ask you a question in, in just a minute. But before... I ask you this question. I want to read you a cheesy little poem. This, I think, is the first time I've ever wrote a poem. Uh, I'm more of a songwriter, but just pretend there's maybe music to this. I don't know. But this is what foster care is, okay? Because I was trying to express my feelings about it one day, and uh, so here we go. Foster care is up all night. It's not feeling well, holding them tight. Foster care is committing to love no matter what, to give every child a home to say yes with many things unknown. Fostering is believing every child matters. Foster care is God's supernatural strength. It's saying, I can do all things through him and care for this child today when others say, oh, I could never do that and give him away. Foster care teaches us to put our needs aside. It's a season of life to give a child life. It's love as it's meant to be, no strings attached. It's arms held open even if they push back. It's unconditional, never changing till they learn to trust again. It's what the Father gives to us until we learn to trust in Him. They wonder, did mom and dad say no to me? Did I do something bad? I just want to go home where I can see my mom and dad. This house is new. I don't understand it. I'll act out. I'll misbehave. I'm trying to be brave and find my way. I don't know what else to do. I know you love me, but give me time because I'm still learning to love you. Foster care is taking turns, eating out, and going to games. It's bringing aunts, uncles, and in-laws to keep you sane. Can I get amen? It extends your family, yet makes everyone closer. Teaming up, knowing we can do this together. This child needs God's love, and we can give it together. Foster care is loud. It's big laughs and big smiles. It's a messy house and a pile of towels. Spaghetti on the floor. Memories galore. It's only for a season. Yes, maybe you'll adopt, but even if that child grows up, moves out, needs to know you love them a lot. So keep on hugging and keep on loving. Every child matters. When people stare at your giant different family as you enter, just do what I do. Stare back until they feel funny. <laughs> that didn't rhyme, but that's okay. Foster care is saying to a newborn child or a teen, I love you. You matter to God and you matter to me. I'm here for you today, and I will be there for you tomorrow. If you go back to your mom and dad, I'll miss you knowing the joy we had. You are loved by Father God, and you are known in every way. Not a thing about you is missed, not one detail and not one day. He made you special, gifted, and unique. He is with you even if you leave me. This is the heart of foster care. He is everywhere you go. He is the one who made you, so be proud of who you are and let everyone know. I can't wait to see who you become because you're special in so many ways. I'm just glad I get to be part of your journey, if only for today. So life can be easy and life or life can be meaningful. The hard things are what make the in-between beautiful. And that's what foster care is about. It's I'm going to love this child, whether they go back in three months or a year two years you know we 
when we became foster parents, uh, again, it was on the heels of casting this vision to our church. And I already had four daughters. I showed you my, the picture of them. And so God's like, what about you? I'm like, no, God, I'm good. I'm going to let them be sacrificial. So I'm like, you guys can do it. I'm not. But you guys can do it. You know? And so I felt like God started saying, well, how about you? How about you? And a certain song would play, and I'd be crying my eyes out. And it didn't matter whether it was Kirk Franklin or Chris Tomlin. Every song somehow, if it said God or Father, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I, I uh, got, God put this in, in our heart, a real quick part of our story. I want to get to, to fam in just a minute. But I was casting this vision, and my wife really got the vision uh, I, I would say even before me in terms of our our sense of fostering and adopting and she we met this little guy that we were respite for and he was just the most cutest baby and he would just look up at me like keep me you know I mean it's like if he could say anything I was like so you know she's writing a letter to the judge and and trying to skip the whole process she's like we're pastors I'm like that's not how it works you know and uh, so Anyway, long story short, we went ahead and got, you know, did our certification. And two, a little over two years ago, we got Lucas, the little guy. You know, so it's the day he was, well, the day after he was born, uh, we we picked him up, and he's been awesome, awesome joy. I mean, he's so much fun, and uh, so it's it's been it's been beautiful. Uh, a big part of casting the foster care vision um, is just that: it's casting vision and making it real. Okay, so I'm going to show you a video that um, I did two and a half years ago that I still use to this day. I just used it a few weeks ago. Uh, so you can get the importance of vision casting. Okay, uh, and I'm going to give you five tools at the end. I'm going to give you the first one right now, which is your, your senior pastor has to be on board. So don't, don't try to just start this over there on your own. It's like anything, right, at the organization, as your church. You need to, you know, talk with your pastor. Um, Raise your hand if you are the lead pastor in the church, just so I have an understanding. Okay, so raise your hand again if you are a support, a support team or a staff member, either one of those, right? That's the rest of us. So what does that mean? You, want to, you need to share this vision with your pastor, and he has to champion this if it's, if it's going to work, okay? And so um, if, if the Lord brings it about where you can explain what it can be, and maybe you can be that fam director, or maybe somebody you know can be that fam director, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, I think he'll be ecstatic. I mean, it, actually, all you have to say is, Pastor, just read the book of James, and then we'll meet in a month. You know? <laughs> no, don't do that. Because uh, he would get your joke instantly. But, but anyway, uh, let's just watch this for a minute. This, this is, this is our, our vision video here. The problems facing Trumbull County. Violent crimes annually, 307. Single parent homes, 35%. Drug overdose deaths annually, 140 children waiting to be adopted in Ohio 4,000 children waiting to be adopted in Trumbull County alone 140 does God in heaven hear their cry 
we believe he does. Psalm 68, 5-6 tells us God is a father to the fatherless, that he sets the lonely in families. We believe Jesus is the answer. Where do people hear about Jesus and learn to follow him? In churches. The church is the pillar of truth and hope, 1 Timothy 3.15. The Bible tells us. This is why we aim to plant 10 churches in 10 cities in 10 years. What if violent crime was reduced to 275 by 2030? What if we could reduce the percentage of single parent homes from 35% to 25%? What if overdose deaths could be reduced to 100 or less by 2030? And what if we could reduce the number of children waiting to be adopted to zero? These are our bold objectives. These are big prayers for Rock of Grace. We believe God is going to transform Trumbull County for Jesus. Antioch, Judea, Samaria, even Rome itself was transformed because the believers left Jerusalem and planted churches. Would you pray about joining us? Learn more at 10citiesmission.com. So as you can see, like we got, what God had put in my heart was this inextricable connection between you if you're going to plant churches what is the purpose not just because i told you to not because a couple people you know said prophetically to but what what's the purpose so that the hurting in society are cared for i mean isn't that the goal of the church right it says the hope of the world it says the the local church in timothy says that it's the hope it's the pillar of truth where do they learn how to heal their marriage how do they learn how to care for a child who's hurting how, how does a believer realize, wait a minute, we can care, we can adopt, we could foster. They learn that in a church. And so something I want you to remember today is this, life can be easy or life can be meaningful. You know, it can't be both. And there's it's the difficult things in your life, um, the difficult things that are hard to do. It's going to be hard. Fostering can be very hard. There's times when they can really push back in their behavior. Uh, but really what they're displaying to you is how they feel. They feel hurt. We just were in a class uh, 20 minutes ago where the child was, had already gone through five placements, right? So he says, in five placements in just four years, I think it was, and he says, well, just send me to another home. Just send me to another home, you know, because he's so hurt. And so he had to keep hearing over and over and over, I'm not sending you to another home. I love you. I will always be here for you. And wh whose love does that sound like? God's love. And here's what I want to advocate for you today. Foster care ministry will help your entire church realize Father God's love in the gospel like nothing else. Because in, in foster care ministry, you are illustrating what the Father has done for all of us. Aren't you guys glad that God didn't write you off on your worst day? And then how about your 20th worst day? Anybody ever have God give you about 30 second chances or 300? And that's what the God, right? That's the Father's love. Jesus, the, the thing Jesus said the most about his connection to God was what? My Father. Even when he raised Lazarus from the dead, do you know what he said? I'm going to say this out loud so you understand my relationship to the Father. 
In fact, that's what this book is about. I wanted to bless you guys with it. We'll talk about this at the, at the end. But this is about sonship. It's about seeing God as your unconditional loving father, that his love for you is always there and will always be there for you. And if that's not the gospel, I don't know what is, right? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So let's talk about what we're actually doing at a church. Is anybody else like me? You like to zoom out. I mean, you're here at a conference, I imagine you're that type. You like to say, okay, but what are we really doing as a church? Well, let's think. When we are pastors and we're ministry leaders, we are trying to communicate them their identity in Christ, right? What do we say? We are one with Christ. And we go to Paul's writings and his letters to the churches and we show them, you are an adopted. We open Hebrews 6 and 7, and we say, Jesus is the firstborn among many, and you are his brothers and sisters. You are a forgiven sinner. You are in God's grip. And how many already is incredible news? Like, come on, we're about to take an offering right now. Like, this is, we're having church, right? Already, okay? I'm a liberated slave. Yes, I am being renewed. Yes. But so often as ministry leaders, we stop there. All of this is awesome, but so often we stop there and we forget what Paul said about being an ambassador for Christ, a messenger, and that now God's image is on the earth. Think about it. When Jesus is, let's think think about how, it's kind of funny, right? Satan's Satan's mad at God because Satan wants to be God, so God kicks Satan out, right? And Jesus says, hey, I got, a, I got a great prank. I'm going to put me in all of them. Think about that. So Satan sees God everywhere because he sees the glory of God in you. And so when you see every human as the very image of God, now you value them as such. And when you value them as such, you treat them as such. And now that's how your society changes. Because now people are coming to church and they're going, where's the nursery? Where's the coffee? But now they start going like, oh man, who's hurting? Who can I bring to hear this amazing news? Who, who's, who can I bring in? Who, who else do I know needs to hear about Father's love that is unconditional and never, never ending? Amen? And so let's talk. I want to do this participatory for a minute. Uh, I'm not, I don't have the answers on the screen. I want you all to answer it for me. What does a disciple of Jesus look like? All right, just popcorn, just shout it out. What are some attributes of a disciple of Jesus. Someone who follows his will. Oh, go ahead. Someone who follows his will. His will. Okay, we'll come back to that. Be as specific as possible. A disciple of Jesus looks like Jesus. Looks like Jesus, but what is, what does that do? Does that mean brown hair, or air, air, tar, darker skin? What does that mean? Attributes. Kindness. There we go. Kindness, loving. Patient. Patient. Now, now we're getting there. What else? <laughs> what? Gentleness, absolutely. Compassion. Compassion. Real. Real. It's already seven. Let's list three more. Unconditional. Unconditional. Let's list two more. Giving. Giving. Yep. One more, just so we all get an A. What's one more? Faithful Faithful and a good listener. We got 11 out of 10. Good job. (laughs) Selfless, 12. All of those. If you were to write those 12 things down, all of those are required for foster care. All of them. And I just think as a pastor, guys, I struggled with this as a pastor. I'm feeling like God was telling me to tell them 
to foster. And I'm like, Lord, that's too hard. I can't even get someone here once a month to, you know, be in the nursery. What are you talking about? I'm going to ask them to watch them for 24 hours a day, every day of their life. Anybody else's struggle is real? Like, you know, you have volunteers. Yeah, exactly. You're all laughing because you know it's true. You're like, I can't get them to show up once a month. I can't get them to hit except on Planning Center. And you want me to ask them to take a stranger into their house? And Jesus is like, yes. Show them what the gospel really is. Tell them until you're blue in the face that following Jesus, following me, Jesus is saying, is hard. It's pick up your cross. It's follow me. Right? But the reward is not on this earth. The reward is not on this side of heaven. That's the American version of Christianity. You may be heard from another preacher. The reward is in heaven. The glory that's given to Jesus and the lives that are changed. And so our job is, I'm, I'm really kind of flipping the script because it's not so much that I want to say, um, I, I want to say you can do this, but there's a little bit of like, you should consider this. Now, I'm not going to like come call you in a month, like a telemarketing, like, did you start your foster care ministry yet? You know, well, maybe I will. But I really want you to consider this this weekend. I really want you to pray about it and say, okay, God, if this is what you want us to do, all right, I'm going to at least start having the conversations. That's what I do. When I feel like God wants me to do something, I at, least, I at least start talking to people who are doing that, right? Or I talk to my pastor, or I talk to my wife, and, you know, we, we, I start talking about it. Is anybody else like me? Like, but the problem is that you may start talking. Now you're held accountable, right? Now you're, if your friend's a good friend, they're like, hey, didn't you tell me you felt God wanted you to do that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, well, God was, he changed his mind. He doesn't want me to do it now. Um, all right, foster care to foster care or family advocacy ministry, what we call FAM. We just made up a little cheesy word there, FAM, foster or family advocacy ministry, provides a strategy for your believers to become disciples. Okay, so there's a difference, y'all. Believers agree. Believers are there and they say, Jesus, feed me with the other 5,000. I believe you are awesome. A disciple obeys. There's a very big difference. There's 15,000 ready to be fed. There's 120 in the upper room, right? What, I don't know about you, but what we want to create in our churches is this, the 120. The ones that say, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus because I see he is so beautiful. He is so worthy of my praise. I really see what he has done in my life, and I'm really submitted to his lordship, right? So foster care gives you an, an environment, if you will. It gives you a tool belt. It gives you a, a, a strategy um, an opportunity for people to really serve like Jesus and encouragement and aid to their brother and sister. How many verses are there, right? When Paul's like talking about encouraging one another, strengthening one another, admonishing one another, lifting one another. You're the body, you know, you're the arm, you're the ear, you're the eye. Our, a foster care ministry creates that camaraderie and that sense of body in an unbelievable way. Okay, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. What do I mean by that? Well, Here's what we did. We said, if we're going to actually do this, one of, the th one of the stats I heard in our training was that 80% of foster parents, uh, without a support team, they quit. Because like I said, early on, fostering is hard. You're taking in a child who's maybe 6 years old or 10 years old, has a lot of trauma. Maybe they've witnessed a lot of abuse, sexual abuse, uh, sometimes really violent acts. They have witnessed with their eyes. And so they are acting, they're acting out, they have a lot of behavioral things. It's hard on foster parent, but if, so, so the majority of them quit after one year if they don't have a support team. 
So we said, it was, what if we create a support team? So I started reaching out and I Googled, you know, Foster Ministries. I spoke to this one guy uh, called Backyard Orphans, great guy. This is what he suggested, but it was just a little bit much for me. So I'm not saying this is wrong, so don't misunderstand me. I think this is awesome. It was just a little bit much for us because we were already saying, well, we're trying to create a, plant a church every, every year. And so we're going to be sending, you know, serve team members already, a percentage of our serve team members already out to plant a church. So to ask them all of these is going to be a lot. So we said, what are the four things that really, really, really would bless them? Okay, this is what we came up with. There's no perfect strategy, just like any other ministry. This is just what we came up with. And by the way, this PDF is available on the Sketch uh, app. If you just go to that sketch.synergy or schedule.synergy app, you can download the whole PDF and you can see these screens. Uh, and I can also airdrop them to you in a minute if you have an Apple device. So house cleaning, respite, and we'll get into that in a minute, prayer and meals once a month. So we have a fam director named Nikki who, how cool is God? I asked her to meet me and I shared this whole vision. I just kind of fire hosed, you know, shared what if we cared for orphans? What if we created a support team? And what if we did this? She just starts tearing up. And I said, are you okay? She goes, I've always wanted to do something for orphans and I've never known what. And it was almost like God had a plan, y'all, right? It was almost like God had already spoken to her heart. So there might be somebody already in your church that the Holy Spirit has already provided. How many of you guys know God already does that kind of stuff, doesn't he? His spirit already speaks, right? And so what we, what we did is I tasked her with, hey, would you be our FAM director? Where you'll put these teams together. So if somebody goes to fam.rockofgrace.org, they fill out a form, name, email. It already syncs up to their planning center. And they can say, yeah, I want to be on the FAM team. Nikki calls them and asks them, what would you like to do? Some of them just, they say, well, I just want to pray. I'm going to set aside time once a week, every day, whatever it is to pray. Some say, you know, I love cooking, so I'm going to bring a meal. And she assigns them to the family near them. That way they're not driving an hour or two to get to that family. Respite, it's, it's, it's a little bit deeper than child care, so it's not like just babysitting. It's you have to get background checked so that you can have overnight uh, stays and things like that. If mom and dad needed to go away for, let's say, anniversary or whatever, some trip to Florida, you can have a, another family or families in the church providing the uh, care. And then, of course, house cleaning. How many got an amen? You felt the spirit on that one. Somebody got to come, come clean your house. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to go too fast. Um, we are going to have a time of Q&A at the end, but I just want to, real quick, does anybody have any questions about this strategy that we put together? Yeah. I have a question about the rest of care. Um, yeah. Yeah. in that system, um, before you provide respite care to one of your families, would they have to go through foster care training? That's exactly right. So if they want to provide just time, let's say four hours so you can go on a date, you have to have your house inspected. I mean, it's, it is a thorough process, but it's nothing like the 48 hours that has to be done to be a foster parent, right? Uh, so there's kind of two levels, and I'll let Danielle hop in on this because she's much better with details. But you can get fingerprinted and background checked, right, babe? So to babysit at your house, um, somebody can, like if I have two babysitters set aside, they'd have to go get background checked, and they can come to my house. If they want to babysit at their house, somebody has to go inspect their house. Um, but as far as overnight goes, 
respite care, it would be another foster family taking my children. Right? Has to be somebody that has gone through the entire training. Yes. Right? Cert yeah. Certified, certified with the yes. state. So really that mm -hmm. should say babysitting. It should say babysitting, yeah. Respite but, is, um, you have to be certified. Yeah. Providers, yeah, so, like we would have to go through their yep. Agency. And by the way, quick disclaimer every county is different, yeah. Yes. Yes. Every county is different. So, the questions that you ask in a minute here, in about 10 minutes, whenever that QA is, and I, I should have set alarm on my phone. Can somebody just make me set an alarm in front of watch? Who, who wants to be my alarm person to see when we have when we have five minutes left? Can somebody be that person who wants to be that person? You look, you look like you're about to be that person, yeah, all right? So, like five minutes from the end, just, just wave at me. So 345, so it'd be 340, I guess you would, yeah. So every county is going to be different. Uh, so some of the questions that you ask at the end, I'll just quick caveat, every county is truly uh, different. Um, kind of back to how and, and why, I, again, I'm God's image on the earth. That's what your people need to realize, all right? So when you create this system of, hey, I want to help be God's image, I'm going to go get certified so I can care for your kids. That's huge. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not discounting signing up on a Sunday service. That's important. I'm a pastor. Like, I need people there to, in children's ministry, right? Like, I, that's very important. But this is a much bigger ask. And I realize that. And I just want to encourage you, though, don't think that, oh, it would never happen. Guys, we've had 36 kids come into care at, at our church. And 26 additional kids come in, being babysitted, babysat, whatever that word is, uh, you know, cared for in respite or babysitting, and three adoptions in just two years. The county just sent me this is a little award this last week. This little, like, I just put it up in the foyer. It's just like, we just want to give you the community something award for your church. Like, how that's beautiful. So now I feel like my prayers are being answered that if Rock of Grace was suddenly raptured, right, that our county would feel, because they would say, oh, but they loved, uh, they were caring for those that, that are hurting. It was, by the way, really beautiful. I mean, single tear. A couple times when I'd be at these trainings and I'd look around and I'd see a couple from our church. And then two weeks later, see another couple. Like that, that was the coolest thing. So we talked about what does a foster care system look like um, a I'm not ministry system, foster care ministry look like. Um, we also do two events. Again, this is just our own ideation time of how do we support families. So me and Nikki, we were just brainstorming like, well, you know, you can't do something once a month, right? Because then people pull away from life groups. They say, well, I'm not going to be a part of life group. I'm in fam. Because we used to have a ministry like that, that everybody said, well, I can't do life group because I'm in this special needs ministry. And you don't want them to pick between community and service. Yeah, you got to have both. You got to connect, grow, and serve. Because if you just serve, you're, you're worn out, right? So um, at some point, they'll disconnect. And long story short, you got to have both. So we said, what if twice a year, just twice a year, we care for the family in an event style? So all together fun, right? And in the fall, we're doing a parents' night out, right? So this was our all together fun night. This was a skating rink. This is our all of our foster care families, uh, apart from two. Were there that night and they came we just skated two of the games i made up on the way there come on you know just dart 
shoot the dart off your dad's head. And they thought it was awesome. And they're like, ah, you know. But the, the point is just memory. Like, it doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be this big, expensive thing. I got the pizza for free because I just said, hey, here's what we're doing. Cast the vision. And you watch. People in your community will jump on board with you. Right? So, again, what is our role? As ministry leaders, we're creating, uh, hopefully, a church, a system in which they become like Jesus, that they worship Jesus from the genuineness of, of gratitude and thank you that you saved me. But then they move and that gratitude is transformed into a serve, service of some type, a sacrificial love, a sacrificial expression. There's also a togetherness and a community aspect about this that we all want to see. I mean, if we all, if I were to say, how many of you here want those in your church to have a, a sense of community? We would all say, yeah, of course. Well, this is so, such an easy way because they'll drop off a meal and we pray together, right? Or we'll see them at church and, oh man, thank you. And how's Lucas? Or, how's, your ki- how's your kids dealing with Lucas? Now we're praying, we're talking about it. There's this com- community aspect of it where we get to serve one another. Again, it's just, it's just deeper than what you might have if, if you just have Sunday mornings and, and even small groups, okay? And again, every church has its own, own things, and I know you can't do everything, but if this, this might be something that could resonate with y'all. Let's go back to Scripture for a minute. Scripture, or Ephesians 2, 12 through 22, um, and I fast-forwarded to 16 for the sake of time, that he might reconcile us both to God in the, in the body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That he came and he preached peace to you who are far off. Everybody say far off. Far off. Far off. There's a lot of people far off. They feel God will never kind of, oh, you don't, you don't even know what I've done with my spouse. You don't know what I've done with my kids. My kids were taken away from me. God doesn't want me. We'll come back to that for a minute. Ministry to the biological parents. That's been the biggest surprise for us, is ministering to biological parents. Those who are far off, and peace to those who are near. So God's peace is for both. It's for people who grew up in church and for people who are really struggling. Amen? And through him, we both, everybody say both. We both have access in one spirit to who? It turns out the father wants to be the father to that person too. Guys, that biological parent, they don't wake up one day and say, I hope I get so addicted to drugs that my kids get taken away from me, right? They don't think that. And that's been a big revelation for me and Danielle. When we went into foster care, it was like, we're going to rescue a child. Now, all sincerity, it's like God put this in our heart, but we weren't thinking about mom and dad. I'm just being real with y'all. We, we were thinking, you know, we're going to rescue this child from a bad situation that bad mom and dad put them in right well it turns out they're just hurting people too they're kids who were never adopted our our biological son lucas or our our biological you know what i meant foster son's biological mom she she aged out of the foster care system so she guys she was adopted and then returned think about that so now she's equating herself to something you can buy at Walmart and in return. So she has a very low self-esteem, right? Very mis- misconstrued sense of identity. And so God put in our heart to care for her, 
And so we spend one to two times a month with her. Did She just called Danielle just last week and said, this is the anniversary of my mom's death. Can you spend some time with me today? Every time she's hurting, she reaches out to Danielle. It's the most beautiful thing. It's something that we didn't expect with this ministry. Again, but you know what I love about it, guys? It gets me out of the church bubble. You know? And it gets your people out. And let's be honest. Let's just laugh for a minute. Some of your people need to get out of the church. <laughs> right? Yes. Some of your people are still mad about the carpet color. <laughs> and if they were sitting and having a meal with a woman whose child children are taken away, they don't care about the carpet color. See, if you get them to focus on the bigger things, you'll have less of those lesser things. Right? Some, I saw Pastor felt that one in the back. He's like, oh, man. He's like, that's, I'm starting this ministry for that reason alone. No, I'm kidding. All right. So I, I didn't want to. I usually have about 10 to 11 pages to a talk. I only did six pages, and I don't, I don't know why. I just want to give enough time uh, to, to some Q&A time um, and, and hopefully discuss this a little bit. Before we get to that, I want to, say, I want to kind of say one more thing about um, – the, the ministry to biological parents. I want to tell you a story. Uh, last fall, I'm, I'm noticing this, this woman while I'm preaching, and, and I'm noticing she's really listening, and she's a guest. And you know, when you're, when you're, pre- does anybody, pre- are you a preacher? Does anybody preach? Just raise your hand if you preach. And so you kind of know what I'm talking about. Like, you, you could see when somebody is, you know, is fully engaged. You know, and when they're a guest, yeah, the shepherd in you, you notice they're a guest. And you're hoping God gets a hold of their heart. Well, then she gets saved. And I'm like, I knew God was speaking to her, right? Well, she's the biological mom two seats over of Ray and Nicole Cox, who have been fostering her kids for months. That's beautiful. They, they, they said, come to church with us. They were already having meals together. See, you could say, oh, I'm going to protect this child from this terrible person. Or you could say, you're loved by God and you're loved by God. You need care. You need God's love. And you need God's love because I need God's love. You know? And that's been beautiful. And I'm looking forward to the day when Jaslyn, our little guy's biological mom, I'm looking for the day when she gets saved. And it's going to either be at our dining room table, probably at the hot dog shop because that's where we meet her once a month. But... It might not be at the altar, and that's okay. But I, I, I can't wait for that day. So a lot of beautiful things have come out of this that, guys, I could not have scripted. I could not have scripted Jaslyn calling me three different times after wrecking a car at 2 in the morning. You know, she had, she had no license, no permit. So we said, hey, we feel led that we're going to raise some support and get you a car because you always need it picked up. She's like, well, I don't have my license. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have your license? You know, you're 19. I don't have my license. And it hit me. I'm like, it's like I keep remembering, oh, yeah, she didn't have a dad because we got that so normalized that in our, in our little bubble, everybody has a dad, right? So I said, well, let's go do that. Let's, I'll, I'll teach you how to drive. So we go down there. She's aiming for the cones. I set out the cones. She's like trying to run them over. I'm like, this girl, you are 19. And she's like, you know, I can't. I just I hit the cones. And we just back and forth, you know. And out, you do it again, do it again. I'll see you, okay, next Saturday, let's do it again. 
you know, who is that dude that's dropping you off? You know, he's my other dad because everybody's a dad because he didn't have a dad. And it just is interesting. So anyway, permit, she got trained, she got, she got her license. I was there with her. Beautiful. One, some of the most beautiful experiences we've had being Christians is just helping Jaslyn get on her feet. Again, nothing I anticipated going into becoming uh, a foster parent. Okay, so let's open up for some Q&A. And, and Danielle, can you come up here? Give my, life, my wife a lovely hand. Is she A lovely wife, a hand. A lovely hand. Come on up here. Just stand in front of this thing, I guess. And any questions you guys have about starting a foster care ministry? And I'm going to go back to this because if you, if you're probably going to talk about that if you have a question. But what questions would you have about starting something like this at your church? Yeah. Okay, so it was very like, and again, like if I, it's, I think it's very important that even if you are the serve team, the volunteer, and not the staff pastor, the lead pastor, it's it's great that you go up and share the vision, but I think it's very important that the pastor champion it just for a bunch of reasons. It's just they're, if they're all like, that's my pastor. And he says it's very important to us. This is where we're going. Then it's more likely that they're going to get on board. So that's number one. Uh, number two is it's weaved in, right? So I put in the schedule because I know about this about myself. If I don't write it down, I, I might not do it. So I put it in the schedule. Every month I talk about it. Every single month. It's weaved into the sermon. It just, my calendar just dings and reminds me. And I will open my sermon for that week and I'll find a way to work it in. Because vision is, if it's, it's, it's a vision you want to do, it's got to be uh, repeated. So when we first start talking about it, it's just through the sermon. You know, it's like, what does God's love look like? And how can we do this? And this is what God's put in our heart. And, and honestly, just being very real with them. We feel this is what God wants us to do. I, I'm not lead pastor, by the way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm older, but I'm not lead pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Because from a leadership perspective, you know, it's really hard to uh, lead people that into yes. a mission or a vision that they don't feel called to. Let, I, I really feel we should camp here for a minute, especially since I ended a smidge early. So I, w- I want you guys to understand, if you really want to do this, I'll just tell you, with your pa- my pastor hat on, if you go to your pastor and... You know, you just have, you know, one meeting with them. You just have to know one of the best ways, right, to ever communicate is to picture you're the other person. So the best, hands down, is the best way. So you picture you're a pastor. They have a lot, I get a lot of those random, hey, pastor, I just need to talk. I just need five minutes. Well, that always turns into an hour, okay? And they're also preparing Sunday sermon. Well, they've got to talk for 40 minutes, Right? And there's a leadership meeting, and there's a board meeting, and your youth pastor needs to chat because somebody's vaping in the bathroom. And, you know, it's like, sorry, got a little real there. That was last week. Um, It's like, you know, that's just a pastor's life. And so you have to know, you know, one, don't, you know, just just be very understanding of that, right? Like, don't don't think, don't be disrespectful, of course, if he doesn't get it right away. Because he's already thinking we're already doing a lot. So what you want to say is, but... Is there a way 
that there's some people in the church who maybe are not serving in any capacity, this might be a way that they could live out the gospel and serve and I'll help them and put it on your own shoulders. And you say, I'll be the fam director or pastor, I'll help you find the fam director and we'll put this team together. Now he's going to start smiling. Because if it feels like something else he has to do, now he's got another meeting once a month or whatever, it's going to be too much for him. But if you say, hey, I'll do the training, I'll find somebody to do the scheduling of these four teams, and all I need you to do, Pastor, would you just mention it every now and then from the pulpit? And would you, re- would you say, hey, is this important? You just pray about this if, if this is something you feel like we could do. But don't just dump it on them. Don't just be like, hey, I was at this conference, and we got to start this next week, you know. And you need to care. You don't care about the kids, you know. You know, I'm not, I just took it too far there. But you know what I mean. you got to do it with, like, a lot of grace and give it time and make sure it's something that you're like, hey, I'll, 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 I'll bear this, right? And, and just let's do this together. But don't just dump it on them. So I appreciate you saying that. Another thing that we do is, um, so Trumbull County Agency has come to our church a couple times. Um, they spoke with our volunteers how to, um, mm-hmm. things you can do for kids with trauma. Kids with behaviors. Um, so get the agency, the county agency involved. Yeah. It's something you're yeah, let me piggyback on that. One thing I thought is, so we put these four, four initiatives down. And to, to see single-parent homes where every marriage is strengthened over the next 10 years to the point that we lower these divorce rates. So we end up having 25% of single-parent homes instead of 35%, like you saw in there. And instead of 140 kids uh, waiting to be adopted, zero. That's a really ambitious goal, right? But here's the thought. If all the believers say some of us can do it, we can do it, especially if we plant churches and we're replicating disciples. And you have to have a partner, though, right? Each of these things, I think it's so important that you have a partner. So for us, we created two partners, not we created, but just like who, you know, the obvious one is Trumbull County Children's Services. And then NOAS, for us, that's Northeast Ohio Adoption Services. So again, this is just some simple research, like who can facilitate uh, foster care and adoptions? And... And instead of just going there, you're sending them there. Like last Sunday, I, I put up an image, an announcement, and said, there, if anybody's interested in fostering, there is an uh, interest meeting on Wednesday night at Trumbull County Children's Services. By the way, beautiful that those kind of things don't happen in your building. It's great. And then the, the opposite is true. I had them come to our church building, twice at our Cortland campus, and then a training night, and then twice at our Kinsman campus. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I didn't mean to say yeah. I was like, like listening. But I would say no, actually. This person uh, suggested no. I asked them that exact question okay. because that's, that's a lot. Yeah. So she said, she actually asked me that. She's like, well, don't you think I have to be a foster parent to do this? And I'm like, no, not everybody, everybody doesn't have to do everything, right? That's the whole idea of the, of the body is why don't you direct all of these people who are going to serve these foster parents? And so that's what we boiled it down to just four things. Uh, but she does not foster. Yes, we foster. And it's, uh, I mean, we have, we've adopted yeah. two little girls, and it is a big deal. Oh, yes. Yeah, a lot. And, so, yeah. you know, and like you said, every county is different. Every agency is different. And, and uh, I'm 
You know how he said unreal? For sure. Danielle asked last week, did we miss hearing from God? Because it is, and we're both like fighting back, fighting back tears because it's very hard sometimes. That's what exactly how I say it. I say it's the hardest thing and the most beautiful thing. Yeah, it's amazing and yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the point is, is I mean, with the demand of for foster care, really, you know, you have one case caseworker that's running all over the state of Ohio. Right. It's a mess, man. Right. But you know, as hard as it is, we got the blessing of adopting these two beautiful daughters. I have a 29 year old and 27 year old daughter, or two daughters, two grown daughters, and then uh, my wife and I decided to do this foster. Yeah. And I tell you what, I did not jump in with both feet. It took me a long time to get, for her to get my toes in the water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm being, not going to lie. She she was all bought in, all in, before I was. It took me maybe, I'd say, a month to three months. Because I'm, I'm going, I already got four daughters. Like, I have more drama than the Kardashians one episode. You know, like, I have a lot of drama. You know, what cereal do you want? Tears. I'm like, what's happening? Let's just make a choice, you know, right? Like, so I already was like, it took me a minute, you know, yeah. but God, God spoke. God does what he does and kept making my heart soften towards it. Now I love it. I'm so glad we did it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Is there an age limit for people who are interested in I don't think so. We have, there's a couple people that I've looked around and saw like they're in their seventies or late sixties and yeah, no, I, Right. Yeah, and their 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 training process is very thorough. So, and I think for the people in Trumbull, are the people we worked with, I think they're they're straight shooters. They would tell you, because they they looked at us numerous times and said, you know, don't don't take a child, you know, out of birth order. Don't don't take in a twelve year old son, obviously. And of course, we we had already thought of that too. But they're they're direct. So if they think you can do it. Yeah. Parents, uh, um, a lot of times it's it's uh, family members, kinship. Yes. But there, there's quite a bit of that. Well, I wanted to make sure I leave um, uh, time for you to go to your next deal. But I also, I wanted I wanted to give you this book. I just wrote this book. I've been working on this for about uh, I started about five years ago. But this last summer, I really felt like the Lord said, "Hey, get that get that done and get that release." Um, real quick commercial on it, and this is just like Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, you get a book, you get a book. It's all, those are free. Just kidding. Um, but I do want to say that uh, a couple things. 80% of pastors said I seriously considered quitting ministry last year. 80%. So a lot of pastors are falling out. I think a reason of that is a lot of what I call the lie of insecurity, right? So they compare themselves to other ministers and they're not thinking through just stewarding as a son what the Father has given them to do. So we talk about that. 
uh, in the book. And then if you wanted to get a box uh, of books, uh, don't you, I might have five extra today or 10 extra today. Uh, but they're available on theprocessofaleader.com and then also at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And the idea, the premise of the book is that there's, there's a leader in your group, probably 50 to be honest with you, that have leadership potential, but they're like Gideon hiding in a well. And all they need is somebody to believe in them. And this is what the first page of this book says. Somebody gave you this book, and if they gave you this book, they believe in you. They see a call of God on your life. And so that's, that's how the desire for the book came about, because I would be ministering, I'd be traveling, I used to travel, and I could always spot that kid called the ministry. And I wanted to tell them like Gideon and Joseph and David. And so this book just kind of goes through some stories. And incur- what's that? You're at 340. 340, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to tell them about that. So um, thank you guys for coming to the class. And I hope you uh, enjoy your day and enjoy the book. And yeah, appreciate it. Thank yep. Thank Thanks, guys.